So refresh my memory. Why are we doing this? Living in victory. Living in victory. Why is that important? I don't <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. And it's a better testimony. Amen. So like I've been like I've been saying, we I, I still believe and I think I will always believe that we are called to be world changers. If you're a member of this church, you're called to change the, the Sinclair River Valley. And the best way for us to do that is for us to live in victory. There's two handouts on the on the desk. Okay. So like I said, the best way for us to do that is for us to live in victory. For the best way for us to have an impact, be uh, have influence over our sphere of influence is for us to live in victory, for us to have what it says in the word that we can have. So and the reason the reason it, faith is important because it, it's going to take faith for us to live in victory. And it's going to take faith. I've been I've been using the the example from Pastor John's. Well, I guess it was a couple Sundays ago now where we talked about shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken, to get from the curse where you have everything missing, everything broken, over to the blessing where you have nothing missing, nothing broken, is going to take faith. And we're all somewhere in this scale in between, and we want to go that way, (laughs) right? We want to go towards the blessing, so we want to get closer and closer to having nothing missing, nothing broken. Okay? And just for a quick review, the first two, I'm, I'm doing six sessions. The first two are on love. Second two on faith, and the last two will be on hope. So the first two on love, uh, the, the first one we talked about, um, God is good and good only. It's the thief that does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. God's will is, for us is good. Every good and perfect gift from, comes from above, from the Father lights with whom there is no variation or shadow turning. He's good and good only. He loves us. He wants to bless us. His love for us is unconditional. Unfortunately, we're the ones that put conditions on his love, so we think we need to perform to a certain level. And I, and I talked about when God sees us, he sees our spirit, which is pure, it's righteous, it's holy. It has to be for the Holy Spirit to be able to dwell in our spirit. So that was the that was the first session. Oh, and and then as we uh, and I don't know if if anybody has has had the opportunity to really study the love of God and how much He loves us, but just the couple weeks that I studied it, it really. Uh, affected my faith, my confidence. Um, if if you realize when you realize how good God is and how much He truly loves us, 
it's going to boost your confidence. It's going to boost your faith. And the natural response, our natural response to that should be wanting more of him, drawing closer to him, want to establish a relationship with him. And one of the things I didn't add, but I think God showed me after that first first session was then the next step is us sharing the love, the love of God flowing through us. That's that's really, I, I think, what God tries to get us to is have us experience Him, His love, our relationship with Him to such an extent that we don't have any choice. It bubbles over, it flows out of us just naturally, the love of God to others. So that was the first section. The second session was God loves us so much that He equips and empowers us. And I'll just quickly kind of read, read through the seven, I think, seven things. He's given us dominion over the earth. He's given us authority over circumstances. He's given us authority over the enemy. We have the blood of Jesus. We have the name of Jesus. We have God's word. We have the Holy Spirit. So those are the things that God has equipped us with. And with those, we're invincible. It's more than enough to defeat the enemy, to change our circumstances, to receive victory in our lives. So that was for you, Carla. (laughs) (laughs) Since you're the only newbie. Okay. Session three, faith. Okay, this is where the rubber meets the road. The promises of God are yes and amen. Um, First point, the promises of God, the things we need to live in victory, are already available through grace. Okay, now why are the promises important? Okay, why are the the promises obviously in the Bible, in God's word, important we need them to be able to live in victory we need healing we need provision we need wisdom we need grace we need the anointing we need all those things all those promises for us to be able to live in victory okay so the first point is they're already available god's part is done he established his covenant of grace through Jesus. So you look at look at the creation, right? God created everything in, in six days, and then he rested on the seventh. He was done. Everything was done. Unfortunately, and I think what I believe what God in, intended and what he was hoping for was that he'd be able to watch us extend the creation. With the authority that he'd given us, his word, he he wanted us to extend the conditions of the Garden of Eden. Unfortunately, of course, we all know that that didn't happen. Man sinned and fell. So then God go, God had to get back to work on his plan of redemption. 
Okay, but that plan was completed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, of course, right? So from that point, it's again all done. Everything is done. All the promises are done. Healing is yours. Provision is yours. Needs met, yours. Wisdom, yours. It's all done. So it's, it's been established <clears throat> through now the new covenant is a covenant of grace. Okay, so it's by grace we have been saved through faith. Okay, we're not waiting on God to bless us. He's waiting us on us to receive by faith what he's already made available to us. Okay, 2 Peter 1 it's becoming one of my favorites. I think I probably every time I've been up here, I've said I've got a f- different favorite scripture. But so Second Peter one, by His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. He's already given it to us. Everything we need to live a godly life. Everything we need to live in victory. <clears throat> we have received all of this by coming to him, the one who called us to himself because he loves us. He called him to himself. He loves us so much, he's calling us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Okay, here's the key. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. It's basically what the promises are what enable us to go from everything missing, everything broken to nothing missing, nothing broken. From the curse to the blessing. We share in the blessing and escape the curse. Okay? So... The way I like to envision the promises is, and I think I'm, I might have mentioned this in one of my offering messages a while ago, what God has given us is he's given us this big box, this big present with a bow on top. And it says grace in the front. And inside of that is healing, provision, wisdom, every, everything we need. It's already there. It's ours. All we need to do is go into it, reach into it, grab something by faith, and take it and thank Him for it. That's all that's required is to receive it. It's there. It's done. We just need to receive it by faith. Okay? Okay. Second point, we have legal right to the promises of God. They're legally ours. Uh, Go to Luke 13, verse 10. Okay. 
Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Jesus was. And behold, there was a woman who had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had, he, had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom God had bound? No. Thank you. <laughs> whom, whom God had bound to teach her a lesson for 18 years? No. Satan had bound her. It was Satan. Again, God is good, the devil is bad. And ought not this woman, a daughter, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Because she was a daughter of Abraham, she legally had access and, and a right to healing. She had a legal right to healing because she was a daughter of Abraham. Now look at this. We are sons and daughters of Abraham. We are heirs of Abraham and have legal right as well to his blessing, to his healing, to provision. Galatians 3.29 And now that, now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Okay, so those promises, the blessing of God belong to us. But it gets even better. Um, go to Hebrews 6. <clears throat> Hebrews 6. Starting at 13. And I don't know, I'm, I'm reading the, the Bible.com. The certainty of God's promise is right above this section. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, who's that? Us. We are the heirs of the promise. The unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So he promised it. He said, I will bless you. But then he went, just in case, Abraham, that's not enough. I'm going to guarantee it. 
with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope. What's the hope? The promise is the hope, right? That's what we're hoping in. That's what we're hoping for. might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Okay. So he guaranteed the promise with an oath. Okay. And then lastly, where I guess this is where I say to make it even better, we are also joint heirs with Jesus. Okay. So, as sons and daughters of Abraham, we have right to the blessing. Obviously, we have right to everything in the Old Testament. But if we look at uh, Romans 8, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. You're all sons and daughters of God, right? You led by the Spirit? For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear but you received the spirit of adoption. God adopted us. When we were born again, he adopted us into his family. You received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. We are heirs of God. We are in his family and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So some of this I've stolen from a guy named Gary Cassie. Anybody? He's, it seems like he's newer on the scene. I don't, I just heard of him a number of months ago. He's got a really good series on the power of the promise. Okay, so some of the some of this stuff I stole from him, um, and he talks about that we're we're part of the estate, we're heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus, we're part of the estate. The stuff is legally ours. the The promises are legally ours. We have a legal right to them. We have a legal right to demand them. Okay. It's another another example he gives. We can consider it to be part of a contract. So he gives he gives an example of Gary Cassie gives an example of. I think he was going to have a, an insurance claim on his car. And the agent said, "Yes, we'll take care of it. You just need to pay the deductible, and we're going to take care of the rest." So then he thought about it. He thought it was. It was involved in a fire, I think is what it was somehow. The car was involved in a fire. So I thought, boy, I I thought there was no deductible for when the car was involved in a fire in, in, in some fashion. So he went to the contract, the insurance contract, and sure enough, if the damage is the result of a fire, there's no deductible. So then he called the insurance agent and said, hey, my contract says I don't have to pay a deductible. 
And the insurance agent said, oh, yeah, you're right. Mr. Casey will take care of it. That is exactly how we need to deal with the devil, with our circumstances. If sickness comes on to us, if lack tries to come on to us, if thoughts of not having enough, failure, we need to go to the contract and say, absolutely not. By the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. We have legal right to lay claim to the contract, to the promises, to the word of God. Now, so the promises of God are available to us through grace, the covenant of grace. We have legal right to them, but we still must choose to take them. We choose how we respond to the promise. Okay? Genesis 30. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and cursings. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Choose life. Oh, that you would choose life, that you and your descendants might live. He's given us free will. God has given us free will, so we need to choose the blessing. And we need to remember that we are redeemed from the curse. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Okay, We are redeemed from the curse, so we don't need to choose the curse. We have access to the blessing, so we can choose the blessing. All right? So here's, here's the important part. As we're... We need to know the word. If we're going to live in victory, we need to know the word. That's why it's so important for us to daily spend time in the word and in prayer in God's presence, hearing from him. We must know the word of God. And and the point I want to make here is it's important as we read the word, and it, it happens to all of us, and it's probably happened to all of us already, you read something and say, well, I don't know if I can believe that. What about this that happened to me, or this that happened to this person, or what about something, some circumstance, something that's happened in our past that makes us think, that can't, that can't be true, that can't. That can't apply to me. We need to be careful to not, well, what do you agree with? Your circumstances or the word? The curse or the blessing? Okay? We need to be careful of interpreting the word through the lens of our circumstances, through the lens of what we've experienced in our life. The, the word of God is truth. If it says it in the word, it's truth. It's something that it's a promise that we can stand on. 
the fight, the fight of faith, we, I think we all know this, occurs in our minds. We, we might read, we might hear some, somebody saying something about the word. We might read a part of the word and we think, yeah, okay, healing, I can be healed. And then the devil says, well, what about the, the sickness that you're experiencing right now? It doesn't, it doesn't seem to be going away. You're never going to be healed. The fight of faith occurs in our minds. So we must know the word and what is rightfully ours so we can resist the devil and not let him steal the promises from us. Okay? <clears throat> one, of the, one of the main reasons I, I wanted to bring this up, God wants us, I don't, I don't believe he ever wants us to stop growing. We're always, we're, I don't know if we'll ever be able to get all the way over to basically where Jesus lived with absolutely nothing, nothing missing, absolutely nothing broken. So we're always, until the day we die, we need to be striving towards the blessing, striving towards nothing missing and nothing broken. <clears throat> It's been interesting what I've been going through for the last three weeks. And it's been, I, can, I guess I can see it as an example of, of this. God always challenges us to step out and do something that we don't want to do. Like get in front of people and teach. <clears throat> and... It, and I will, I will have to admit, you know, at the beginning of it, when, when John asked me, I was thinking, okay, well, yeah, all right, I, I, can, I, I guess I can do this. But God, God wants us, I mean, we're continuously peeling back layers of fear in our lives, in our minds. And he, you know, I would have to say I was getting to the point where I was pretty stable, with what was going on in my life at the time. I was pretty stable. I was pretty good at maintaining peace, staying in faith. <clears throat> but God does, doesn't want us to be stable. He doesn't want us to be stagnant. He wants us to keep growing. He wants to keep challenging us, keep getting us to step out and do things that we're not comfortable with that what are key to his plan for our lives. So, you know, the first the first week was the first week was good preparing for this. The second week was good. This week has been just crazy. <clears throat> it's been overwhelming. Just with everything going on, all, you know, the time that it takes to to prepare the messages with everything else going on, you know, the, the first week I was saying, okay, God, you've got my back. You're taking care of this. The second week, okay, uh, I think, God, you got my back. You're taking care of us. By now it's like, oh, my goodness, what am I doing? <laughs> I can't do this. And what, what God showed me is we've got to deal with, you know, I was, I was pretty good with I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
at the beginning of this, but you start doing it over and over and you realize, wow, okay, I'm not really good at that and I don't know much about this and I don't have time to take care of that. What about the family needs me to do this and I got, I got overwhelmed. And what happened was I took my eyes off of God, I took my eyes off of the Word and started focusing on me, my weaknesses, my problems, my inabilities, my fears. And that's where we need to be that that's where we need to be careful because we always will have and that's why we always need to be careful with thoughts that come into our mind. We really need to be careful how we interpret the word because like I said, we're always interpreting it through the lens of our circumstances, our experiences, our mindset, mainly how we view ourselves. Okay? But he wants us to break out of that. We limit ourselves. We are limiting, actually we're limiting God. He wants to do amazing things through us. He wants us all the way over here. He wants us to be doing the works of Jesus. But we're limiting ourselves. Circumstances come. Problems come. We get our eyes off of him and put it on us. Put it on why we can't do it. We can't do it. In our own ability, we absolutely cannot do the things God has called us to do. But one of the things over the last couple days, he's reminded me of, hey, dummy, you took your eyes off of me in my anointing that's going to enable you to do this. So it's like, oh, because I could, I, I could tell the peace was gone. Something happened over the weekend. Something happened to my peace. So it's like, okay, that's a warning. It's basically the Holy Spirit removing the peace, saying, hey, dummy, stop. Something's wrong. You're doing something wrong. That's, that's a warning. And you know, it took me a couple days, two, three days, but we need to keep our focus on the word. We need to keep our focus on the promises. We need to keep our focus on the anointing. We need to realize that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So it's a, it's a little bit of a twisted interpretation of we, we get to choose our promises, but we really do. We, we, we really choose how we respond to the promises of God, how we respond to the Word. Does that make sense? Any, any questions so far about what I've, what I've covered? Okay. Step four. Now um, we're going to start getting into the seven steps to answered prayer. So like I had just said, we must know the word to understand what promises are available to us. Okay? Did everybody go to the RVCC website and print out or at least get a copy of the PDF? Nobody? Okay. It's online. 
it is available. And I can, if I don't know, I guess we could uh, we could print these off too. What? <laughs> yeah, we can we can I can print them off. Okay. So the first step, the first step in the in Hagen's seven steps to answered prayer: be specific and stand on God's promises. Okay, I will. Um, I'll just kind of quickly run through a, a synopsis of what he's saying here. Do we need to continue to remind him? Yeah. You know, you, you promised you were an enemy, and then two and a half years ago, uh, well, what's holding anything up? You know, and the nurse needs some aid, and that needs aid. And they all sit there with their hands dropped, uh, looking for a devil man, and praying what they think is right. And Right. Can you hold that question? Yeah. Until until later here, we'll go over that. Okay, so be specific and stand on God's promises. So he talks about, and I don't know, this was this is kind of interesting. He talks about he would he would interview people or take take a survey of people and what they were praying for, and oftentimes he would go up and ask what people were praying for, and they said, "Oh, nothing. I'm just praying." So so what he's getting at is. You need to be specific, okay? You need to pray the word. There's a there's a difference between that type of prayer and then just trying to just praying to be in the presence of God. Okay, we we understand there's a difference. If you're praying to be in the presence of God, you're trying to listen as opposed to trying to proclaim, right? So pray according to the word. Too few Christians realize the importance of the Word of God in prayer. Is there a Kleenex around here? Oh, there is. I'll grab it. Okay. Too few Christians realize the importance of the Word of God in prayer. We know... That faith begins where the will of God is known. And we know that God's word is his will. So basically what he's getting at is faith comes by hearing the word. You're not gonna know, you're not gonna know promises available to you until you read the word of God. And then once once that promise, once you see that promise, it sparks hope and faith that I can have that thing. And then he talks about meditating in the Word, which is something I'm going to get into next time. Um, As you feed upon the Word by meditating, you will be ready to use those scriptures against demons who will try to make you doubt God and who will try to rob you of what you want. It is the devil who tries to make you doubt God. And then uh, use the sword of the Spirit against the devil. When you get the word firmly fixed in your heart and mind, you can use it against the devil. And what he, he, what he talks about, he, he uses the, the example of 
Jesus in the wilderness when Satan came to tempt him, saying, it is written. And he's saying that's what we need to use. If the enemy is trying to attack us, attack our thoughts, attack our body, whatever, we need to say, no, devil, it is written. In the contract, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Jesus did not use a single weapon to defeat the devil on this occasion that the saints of God do not have available to them today. Then it goes to fighting the good fight of faith. It takes a little time sometimes to, to build the word into your spirit so you can stand in faith for an answer to prayer. If there weren't any hindrances to faith, there wouldn't be a fight. When it comes to natural things, people will fight tooth and toenail for what belongs to them. But when it comes to spiritual things, many times they just roll over and play dead. If God's word says something belongs to you, then it belongs to you. So put up a fight by standing your ground on God's word. In order to fight the good fight of faith, you must learn how to use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, that was that's everything from step number one that I had I had marked to look over. Okay, and I think I basically just summarize here. Um, we must know what we are seeking is in God's Word. We have obviously we have no legal right to anything that is not a promise from God's Word, and we must find scriptures that promise you what you want and stand on them. Okay. Uh, point five. We must utilize our authority to bring the promise into reality. So Hagen's step number two is you must ask God for what you want. And he, he covers, he has a really good scriptural standing for, for that. And in the day you shall ask me nothing, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Okay. Now, the, the other, like, so the point I have below that, or many would argue that you simply take by faith what God has already made available. And there's, I guess there's, there's a handful of people that I can, think of who I've read or heard pastor actually pastor John is one of them during the uh, during his healing course during his healing discussion um, said you need to speak to your body you need to speak healing to your body you're not you know if you if you look through the word even even the uh, the woman that was that was bent over the daughter of Abraham God didn't ask or Jesus didn't ask God to heal her. He just spoke to her, be healed of your infirmity. Okay, and that's what, that's what, uh, like I said, Pastor John um, talked about that. Um, Andrew Womack, I know, has, has, has said, you need, to, you need to speak the word. You need to speak to your body. You need to speak to your symptoms. Tell your body to be healed. Speak to your finances. 
um, in Creflo Dollar, there's an, there's an article um, in one of the Believer's Voice of Victory magazines where he, he talks about um, he, had, he had just gotten healed of uh, prostate cancer. He had prostate cancer. And then a number of months after that, he got severe pain in his butt bone, <laughs> and it wouldn't go away. And he kept, he kept reminding God. He kept bringing it up to God. And he kept bringing it up to God. God, you told me I'm healed. Your word says that I'm healed. And then in prayer one time, God told him, you need to quit, quit talking to me about that. I cannot do anything about it. I gave you the authority to speak to your body and do something about it. Speak to your body and command it to be healed. So he spoke to his body and commanded it to be healed. And it, it went away. Um, I actually have an experience like that as well. Um, boy, this was over 10 years ago. Um, I woke up one night really, 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 really sick. And I knew as soon as I woke up, I needed to get to the bathroom as soon as humanly possible. I was very nauseous. And so, so I get up and I'm, you know, kind of gingerly, gingerly walking to the bathroom, make it to the bathroom, and then stand there thinking, oh, okay, do I sit or do I kneel? <laughs> Because I had no idea where it was going to go. So then I'm thinking, and then I realized, wow, I'm really getting dizzy and even more nauseous. So I just decided to sit on the seat of the toilet. And so I've got my head in my hands, and I'm, think, and I'm just kind of waiting for the inevitable. Okay, what's, what's, what's happening here? And then from the inside of me, I, I heard or just thought... Why are you putting up with this? Why are you allowing this sickness to come onto, you, onto your body? Are you healed or aren't you? Are you healed by the stripes of Jesus or aren't you? And then it just kind of, well, you, yes. So I, I stood up and, and then started to proclaim. Actually, I, I, I think I, I first told the devil to leave. I command and it's Satan, I command you to leave. Sickness, I command you to leave. And I command my body to be healed. Now. And went back to bed. And I didn't get sick. But that is an example of we need, we need to use the authority that we've been given us. We need to use the word, the power of the word that's been given to us. So, I believe it's a combination of, you know, there's, there's some things that aren't obvious that we ask God what we want. Such as plans for your life. You know, you, you, you ask God, okay, what am I supposed to do in this case? But for those things where you know it's available, healing, provision, wisdom, that's where you, where you proclaim it. And we can see from Mark eleven twenty three, 
For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So there's a story, there's a story that Kenneth Hagin tells of God speaking to him about this verse and asks him, okay, how many times does believe occur in that verse? And he says, one. How many times does say or says occur in that verse? And he said, three. And he said, well, you need to teach on speaking and saying three times as much as believing where faith is concerned. Anyway, just a side note. So we're supposed to speak to the mountain. We're supposed to speak in faith, not doubting. Okay? We release our faith through our words, just like God did at creation. Okay? He spoke everything into being. And we're supposed to speak. We're supposed to use that authority that's been given us. We we are called and we have a responsi- we, we have a responsibility to enforce the will and the word of God in our lives. And we do that by using the authority that we've been given, the authority to speak the word of God. Okay. This is the last the last section. The promises are received by faith. Okay, so now we know where did my other page just go? We know the promises are available to us. We have a legal right to them. We must choose them. Okay, we must know the word to know what promises are available to us. And we must utilize our authority to bring the promise into reality. So lastly, the promises are received by faith. Romans 4.15 Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith. Inheriting or receiving the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith in order that it might be given as an act of grace. Okay? So we know that obviously we know that there are natural rules in the word in the world right there are laws you have the law of gravity the uh, all the i guess all the various <laughs> laws physical laws <clears throat> but there's also spiritual laws so god set up his kingdom with certain rules and his promises one of the rules is his promises must be received action was required on our part. Okay, the promises aren't just going to happen with no faith. They're not just going to pop into our lives. Granted, granted, you have grace. Okay, we've experienced and we've heard stories of people that just through the love of God, the grace of God, things happen. Okay, but when we get mature enough, God expects us to receive them by faith. So we must take the promises by faith. Now, what is faith? Okay. Um, 
the definition that Andrew Womack gives is faith is our positive response to the promise that God provided by grace. Okay? I, I actually like Hebrews 11.1 1 better. And I forget, I think this is the New Living Translation. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Okay? Faith, we know faith accompanies knowledge of the word. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Here's what I want to get to. Now let's do this. So grace, we know, okay, God provided the promises by by his grace. So grace, grace makes, faith takes, but most importantly, faith takes action on the word, on the promise. Okay? So this is this is where I want to get to. Okay? Mark eleven twenty four. For this reason I am telling you. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. So whatsoever you desire, the New King James is whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it and you will have it. Okay? <clears throat> I, I believe one of the reasons that I didn't receive a lot of my prayers answered, get a lot of my prayers answered, is because I thought I understood this, but I didn't really understand it. I understood it in my head, but I didn't really understand it in my heart. Okay? Um, when we... When we pray for something when we're either speaking something into a, into being or we're asking God for something we need to consider it done and if we think about it in the spiritual realm it is done it's already taken care of and what we're trying to do faith our faith is simply taking it from the spiritual realm in pulling it over into the natural realm. That's that is basically what faith is. It's taking it from the spiritual realm over into the natural realm. Okay? And there's there's some examples that I've heard and then as I've meditated on meditated on them, I've added to it, but here is, <clears throat> I think, a pretty a pretty good explanation of what happens through faith, bringing things from the spiritual realm into the natural realm. Okay, Mark, Mark four, Mark chapter four. Okay, the parable of the the sower. What is the soil in that parable? Our hearts. What is the seed? The word. Okay? 
So we know that the seed, the word, gets planted inside of our heart. And it starts to germinate, it sprouts, it starts to grow. And what grows is a reflection or is influenced by what's in our mind. Okay? By how we see our lives. Okay? So if our mind is <coughs> completely transformed by the Word of God, okay, we believe for provision. Okay? We're believing for provision. If we completely believe and see ourselves with every need met, we reject every doubt, we reject every fear, we reject every lie of the enemy. We reject the cares of this world and the, deceitful, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust for other, other things. We reject all of those. That plant will grow up as a perfect representation of what's in the Word. Okay? If our mind doesn't contaminate it, okay, it will grow. And once it is a perfect representation of what's in the Word, that's when what you're believing for comes from the spiritual realm into the natural realm. Unfortunately, we all realize that the reality is we've got a promise, we've got the Word, takes root in our hearts, it germinates, sprouts, starts to grow, and then a thought of fear comes, or a thought of doubt comes, and then that doubt is planted, takes root, grows as a weed. And if that doubt is allowed to continue, if we start to not see ourselves prosperous, but we start to see ourselves in lack, we start to see ourselves without what we need, those weeds, there's going to be more weeds planted, those weeds are going to grow up and choke the word. So then what we need to do is, that's where the fight of faith comes, that's where resisting the devil comes into to place. We must resist fear, doubt, worry, dread, discouragement, because that's what prevents or delays what we're wanting to take, the promise, the promise that we're trying to take from the spiritual realm over into the natural realm. So again, when that seed, that plant grows up and is a perfect duplicate, a perfect representative of what's in the Word, and the only way that can occur is when in your mind you see it as well. So what grows up is a reflection of what's in your mind. So when you see yourself healed, when you see yourself with your provision, when you see yourself with more than enough, that plant can grow into an exact representation. And when that occurs, when it's an exact representation, again, 
that's when your promise comes from the spirit realm to the physical realm, to the natural realm. Does that make does that make sense? Yes. That was uh, it's clear as mud. It's clear as mud. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> it's gonna take some work. Yeah. And the other thing, see, the other thing we need to, the other thing we need to recognize. One of the things that that Kenneth Hagin always says is, "Faith is now." Okay, it's present tense. Um, actually, he gives an example of, and I didn't go over the the second step, but he gives an example of. He was preaching at a church, which met in a small building. The weather outside was cold. I don't know how cold weather can be in Texas. But uh, they were using stoves to heat the building. Sometimes the inside of the building grew very hot, and I would get too warm when I preached. One night, I was perspiring as I stepped out of the small building to get some air. When I stepped outside, the cold air hit me in the face, and my throat started hurting. By the time I got to the parking lot, I could hardly talk. The next day, all day long, I could talk. I couldn't talk above a whisper. Then my chest started hurting. I started reading scriptures on healing. With my Bible open before me, I prayed silently. I said, Lord, your word tells me that I am healed. If I asked my flesh or other people around me if I was healed, the answer would be no. If I asked my healings if I was healed, they would say I wasn't healed. But your word says, let God be true and every man a liar. So if I say I'm not healed, I'm a liar because your word says you cannot lie. I told the Lord that I was going to get up and go over to the church and preach. So I went next door where the church was and went into the service. When I got up to preach, I went up to the microphone and said, I want to thank God that I am healed. The, con- the congregation looked at me like I was crazy because I, could- I was just barely whispering. I began to tell them what the Word of God says about healing, and I proved to them from the Word that I was healed. I told them what God says is true, and if I said I wasn't healed, I would be lying. I told them I wanted them all to stand and praise God with me because I was healed. Some stood and we began praising God. I hadn't said Alleluia three times when my voice came back. I started preaching, and I preached up a storm. That crowd saw what God did. They saw faith in God's word um, work right in front of their eyes. All you have to do is ask God for the things you need and want that his word has promised and believe you receive them when you ask for them. Then you will have whatever it is you need from God. Some people continually ask me why God won't heal them after they have had many people pray for them and have had no results. Very often I ask them if they ever acted as the word was so. People must act like the scriptures are true. If they don't act like the word is true, they are walking by their senses, by what their senses are telling them, and not by what the Bible says. That's what is throwing them off. They're missing the faith realm entirely, which is based on... They're missing the faith realm entirely, which is based on what the word says, not what they feel or see. So... If <clears throat> here's here's one of the things that I remember God really dealing with me about, because I would be believing for provision, 
most of the times it was for provision. So I do my confessions. I would um, pray. I would praise. I would do whatever I thought I was supposed to do. And then, you know, days, weeks would go by and nothing would happen. And then I would go to God and say, why isn't this working? <clears throat> and I did that, you know, I did that over and over and over and over and over and over again, probably. <clears throat> Until one time, God made me, or God spoke to me and said, why isn't it working? Why? If you don't believe it's working, your faith isn't active. When we... <clears throat> When we get to the point where we're saying we're waiting for our promise to manifest, we're waiting for our healing, it's because we didn't receive the promise when we prayed for it. We didn't take it at that point and believe what in it for me, it helps picturing in my mind what's actually occurring. Whether it's <clears throat> the the healing is in the spirit realm, and you know one of the one of the images that I frequently have is you've got this membrane, all right, that separates the spirit realm from the physical realm. Okay, what you're believing for is in the spirit realm, and there's a rope attached to it. Okay, and it goes through the membrane, and I just believe as I'm speaking and confessing, I'm pulling that promise over from the spirit realm to the natural realm. That's just an example of something that I use to help me visualize. It's done in the spirit realm. I'm standing on it in the spirit realm. I've, whatsoever I desire when I pray, I believe that I receive it, and then I have it. I pray for it, I believe it's done. Now, it might not manifest, and that's where <clears throat> the word of faith has gotten kind of goofy by people denying symptoms and denying what's going on in the natural. You can acknowledge, okay, I'm not healed, but I have my healing. I'm convinced I have my healing. I am healed. And in, in my opinion, and we're going to really get into this heavy next, next time, you will receive what you see yourself having. If you see yourself healed in your mind, you will be healed. If you get to the point, and that's why meditation, and um, Kenneth Hagin talks about a lot, and Romack... <coughs> I'll, they, they all talk about the importance of meditation. It, <clears throat> what you, and, and I'm not exactly, I can't say that I know exactly why hope is important or why your meditation and what you see in your mind is important. I don't know if it gives you staying power, but it's what completes the transaction. Like I said, the what grows in your heart is a reflection of what you see in your mind. And if you can see yourself healed, 
that healed healing plant is going to grow up and consummate the transaction and you will receive your healing so and where <clears throat> I know where I've been stuck many times in the past is I pray and then I think okay now I just have to wait for it to happen No, you believe it's done. You, the other, I guess the other thing, the other thing that I think about is now God is going to work. Now, granted, I, he's probably just resting, <laughs> but it, it it helps me envision it. God is going to work as soon as I pray. Okay, as soon as I pray for whatever it is. I realize now God is going to work. It's going to be done. So when you, when you pray for it, you need to believe it is finished. It is done. Like I said, even though, even though it might not have manifested yet, you're not waiting for it. it it's done in the spirit realm. You just need to bring it across by your hope, by your expectation into the natural realm. Does that make sense? No? Yes. So <clears throat> the other thing Hagen talks about is and, and I think this is where this this is where I was stuck for a long time. He he says you need to go beyond mental assent, and I put in here this this must go beyond mental acknowledgement to heartfelt conviction. Okay, I know I was stuck in mental assent because I didn't know really what faith was. I read about it, I heard sermons about it but I didn't really know what faith was. So when I, I can remember one time early, early, early on, praying for something and just just trying to force myself to believe it. Just, oh, and then open my eyes and I'm not there. Okay, I'll try it again. Oh, open my eyes. It's not done yet. <clears throat> it's not... It needs to go beyond acknowledging the word in your mind. It's got to sink into your heart. And that gets at the expectation. That gets at the, the joy. That gets at getting to the point where you are absolutely so convinced that it is done. You see yourself prosperous. You see yourself healed. That you're excited. You know what, what, what is inside of you is more real than what's on the outside of you. So that's why getting it into your heart, it's, it's really, faith works from the heart. Faith works from your spirit. 
<clears throat> so that's why meditation, that's why the word is so important. But even more so, that's why meditating on the word is so important. And <clears throat> it's, it's something that I realized probably just over this last year. And like for, for me personally, um, I, was, I was, I think I mentioned it before, I was raised in a poverty, in a lack mentality. I always saw myself not having enough. Always. Regardless of what I was doing, I was waiting for what, whatever situation would come about where I wouldn't have enough. And what is extremely difficult, if there's something that you have lived with all your life or you've experienced all your life and you want to change it, it's difficult. It's extremely, it was extremely difficult getting my mind to the point where I would see myself prosperous. I would see myself having my needs met. It's like... <clears throat> those old thoughts have created deep grooves in your mind and you're trying to go <laughs> across them. And I can remember day after day of, of, you know, just kind of trying to force my mind to think of what my life would be like with every need met. What would my life be like with every need met? How would, I, how would my experience of life be with every need met? We could go on vacations. We could do things. I could do things with the family. We could fix our house, the areas of our house that needed to be fixed. We could have all of our bills paid on time. We could, you know, just going through in your mind, thinking, what would my life be like with every single need met? <clears throat> and the thing is, as what happens as you do that, as you think through that, you're going to start seeing yourself that way. And when you get to the point, <clears throat> like I said, where the image in your mind is creating this image in your heart that is a perfect representation of the promise, it's done. It's done. We need <clears throat> You need to see yourself with... We need... In, there's, we all have areas that we're working on. There's, I believe there's always going to be areas, like I, like I mentioned earlier, <clears throat> God wants us to work towards nothing missing, nothing broken. So there's always going to be a part of our life, it's like peeling back an onion of fears, inadequacies, weaknesses that we see ourselves with. He wants to remove all of them. So he moves... He, he's not limited in working through us. Okay. Questions? Are there any questions? <clears throat> I read in the Bible over here, Jordan. <clears throat> the Lord says every day, like a thousand years. It's going to wait three days for the Lord to come out there. That's 2,000 years ago. I don't know if I'll be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, hopefully not. <clears throat> uh, you'll be healed. Yeah. <clears throat> Up in heaven, you'll be healed. Absolutely. Yeah, it's hard to, to, to be praying with nobody. 
for our healing on them, and you stand there blind, you can't see, and you're praying for them to be healed, and, and you can't see them to get the Lord work on your side here, though. I spent a lot of that praying to the Lord. And thank you that wake up in uh, the morning, and I look out the window, as if it was the before. Right. I'm going to wait for the Lord to do his part. Well, in the, I guess the, the thing is, has the Lord not done His part? Has God not done His part? Where. How do you how do you see yourself? As healed. When you close your eyes, when you think about your situation, when you think when you think about your body, you see yourself reading, you see yourself being able to do everything that you might not be able to do right now. Right. And the main time. Then that's you just have to keep that's the patience part of it. I mean, if you <clears throat> you need you need to get to the point where you're so you're so convinced that it is done. Not that you're waiting for it, but that it is done. That's that's I believe that's when it that's when it happens. Just by the main times, the garage. Yes, sir. One of the things that uh, that I've heard is that if you've got a challenge, like let's say there's an organ in your body that's not functioning like it should, learn all you can about that organ and right. how it functions. Get it clear in your mind and then pray about it and see it functioning the yep. way it should function. Yep. So exactly. that 100 you know yep any other does it wiggles with if you suffer with i don't know gallstones or some kind of stones the whole time you see them 
healing people. He wasn't like healing himself, but he still trusted. It. He still believed. Yeah, I'm not sure. Or, you know, you know, in his ministry, he suffered. I think Wigglesworth. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure. For years, for with I don't know, some kind of kidney stones or something that okay. was very, very painful and um, a lot of symptoms. But he kept pressing in and doing what God told him. We don't know when perfect time. Right. That's God's part. Um, I do have. I I pulled out. I copied something out of. Have you guys heard of Norval Hayes? He's another. Actually, he's the, the. I think how I heard of him. He's a businessman, but he also preaches. <clears throat> he he had this. Well, not interaction. Um, he he was he had a daughter that was I don't know wayward daughter or whatever. She was not living for God, being rebellious and do all that stuff. And they were believing for her to come back. And this originally was written from the standpoint of the daughter, but I changed it so that it applied to finances for me. So <clears throat> what it says is, Son, I want you to understand something. There is no... And so this is, this is God's reply to, to normal. Son, I want you to understand something. There is no power on earth greater than my power. No power. I can set you completely free from lack through your faith. But your faith concerning it has been wavering a little. You have started wondering about when I am going to do it. That is none of your business. I don't need your help. All I need is your faith. I have to have your faith before my power is even available to move on your behalf. So the thing I like about this is if, if you consider there to be a valve of God's power, right, it's we open it by our faith. Okay? Every time, not just part of the time, but every time your faith wavers, it cuts off my power from dealing with your finances. Your unwavering faith will bring my power out of heaven and upon you and your family to set you free. But your faith wavers from time to time concerning your complete freedom. Sometimes you even wonder if I am going to do it. When you waver, my power stops. So I guess I see that as an example of what another, another example of what our faith is. It's, it's what allows God to work in our lives. When we have faith, we open the door to him. When we don't have faith, we close the door to him. So it's through our unwavering faith. And, and again, that gets at the, the seed. When you're unwavering, we're, we're not doubting. We don't have fear. We don't have worry. So our mind is clear. What we see is clear. What we see is ourselves healed, ourselves prosperous. 
So with that basically perfect transmission of the word through our minds into our hearts, that seed is able to grow up into a plant that perfectly represents the promise. There's, there's no wavering. There's no nothing that plants any seeds that grow into weeds and choke off the word. So we need, that's why it's important that we have unwavering faith. Look at Peter, right? Walked onto the water. As long as he was looking at Jesus, he was walking on the water. As soon as he started looking at the waves and the storm, he wavered and fell. The power of God wasn't available to him. So our faith is what accesses the power of God. Make sense? Larry? I think too, sometimes, you know, how we see a prayer being answered is not always the way God sees it. Right. going to answer it. Sometimes we're expecting one thing and He'll bring something else into our life to fix the problem we've got. We don't recognize it as a fix. We recognize it as, or might not even recognize it at all. Right. And so, I don't know if that makes sense to anybody. But like, for example, with. With Warren, maybe uh, he'll bring somebody into your life who's an expert, uh, vision expert, who can fix your eyes. I don't know, but I'm just saying that might be something rather than just a miracle, okay, your eyes are fixed. Maybe bring somebody into your life who can do the job. Yep. Because I do believe God expects us to use doctors and so forth. Yep. It's not like everybody that gets sick just, you know. He has different ways of healing different people. That's my belief. Right. Right. I've got something that happened to me similar to that. Um, I went uh, skiing with a bunch of guys, um, some from church. And there's something with my, I even forget which foot it is. It's my right, it's my right foot. And I don't know how many of you know what a ski boot does to your foot, but it's extremely tight. It's got to it's got to hold your foot in place, um, so the object is it doesn't move. So everything is extremely tight. And I had something going on with my foot where it was just excruciatingly painful. I could ski for a little bit, but then it would just get it would get to the point where I I couldn't do it. I couldn't ski anymore. It was just so painful. So that f- the night after the first day, um, it was actually John Stevenson. He said, well, do we believe in prayer or not? Let's pray for him. So pray that my foot would be healed. All well and good. Um, and then the next day, a thought came into my head. Why don't you cut your boot away where it hurts? So, okay. <laughs> cut it away. Golden. No issues. So I think, I think a part of it is wisdom. God, sometimes what we need in answer to our prayer is wisdom. God needs to show us something we're supposed to do to fix the problem. That's where, you know, 
do you need healing? Do you need provision? God, maybe you're asking for healing, you're asking for provision. What you need is wisdom to be able to deal with this a certain way and fix it. So, anyway, any other questions? We're about done here. Everybody's good? All right. I just, in, in the speaking to like Warren and, and hoping and you know, wanting that healing, I think we all struggle with that. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, yeah. that's where our, our, our faith, what we're learning about, and, and trusting, and, um, and get, you know, there's no doubt God could do it. <clears throat> It's just it's overcoming that in our own minds and right. you know. And I agree also with you know, seeking out as much wisdom like you said and that kind of stuff too. So but we all I think we all go through it to some degree or another. Yeah, we're there's we probably all have gone through a long, drawn-out process where what we were believing for, we didn't, we didn't receive for, for whatever reason. And usually, it, it's because God needs time to be able to speak to us, get to us, change how we think. I know that was definitely the, the case in my life. Years ago, with cheers and television. Oh, cheers, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the time problem. The last two and a half years. Two days ago, we were we just walked in, and she stopped me at a big bar or something, and I went over to the coat rack and said, go on. And then she can hire up. And I was just going to say, no, they're actually like, cheers. And it's like, and, uh, resumption's come back. She said, whoa! So they feel so funny, Yeah, they don't, that was a good show. Yeah. They don't show that anymore. Okay. That's all I got. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.